want to ask you if you'll stand with me as we read. It is a custom that we stand together as we read God's word. This tradition goes back far beyond the history of this church. It goes back to that very moment where people literally would stand to hear the teacher teach and the teacher would sit down. Get that? So when Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, he sat down and everybody else stood up to hear it. Isn't that interesting? Psalm 19 is a psalm of David. I invite you now to hear the word of God. Did it freeze up? There it is. For the director of music. Now, why? Because it's a song to be sung. For the director of music, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day they pour forth speech. And night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, more than more than pure gold. They are, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servants also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I hope that you have made your New Year's resolutions. I talked to someone, Lou Schwartz, and texted me last night at 12.15 and said, Happy New Year. I didn't get it till 8.40 this morning and texted back and said, Happy New Year to you. Uh, I didn't stay awake to see it end, but I guess you did. How many of you stayed awake? Did you make your resolutions? Did you? Well, I want you to know the only resolution I've ever heard kept the only one is from someone who told me I made a resolution a long time ago to not make New Year's resolutions, and I've kept them every year. And I thought, you know, that's probably a good idea, isn't it? 
But when you think about the year 2023, I must honestly tell you that before I came to Christ, I never thought I'd live this long. I never did. And this may be the year that I die. It may be the year you die. It may be the last time you will see earth. Or it may be the beginning of a whole new part of your life. It may be a new chapter that God is opening up for you. Who knows? Who can tell? Who can forecast the future? And yet one of the things that we try to do is we try to make resolutions for the purpose of bettering our life. Because let's face it, I don't want to go through through 2022 again. Would you? And so the real question is, why do I feel that way? Why isn't life as good as I thought it should be when I made resolutions for 2022? That's the real question, isn't it? You know, every one of us wants a good life. There's a famous pastor on TV that's written a book who's told you how to have a good life. Have you read it? If you haven't, I'm glad. Because his advice really isn't that good. And I'm not trying to degrade anybody, but I want you to know that this morning as we turn to Psalm 19, one of the things that I want you to understand is that no person on earth can tell you how to live your life. No person on this earth, not me, not an elder of this church, not the neighbor behind you, not even yourself can tell yourself how to live a good life. Well, who can? Well, I tell you, we make New Year's resolutions, I think, for a couple of reasons. Here are some. I believe people make New Year's resolutions because they want to change the way they live. They want to change the way they live. Another is that they want to make good decisions. You want to go through life where you don't have to look back with regret. And maybe a third one is, you'd like to live with a little joy in your life. You'd like to live where your problems aren't as hard on you as they have been in 2022. Amen? Could do with a little less problem and a lot more life and joy. Well, this morning as we turn to this particular passage, and I really hope and pray you have your, your Bibles open to Psalm 19. Because in this psalm, this psalm of David, do you remember who David was? He was a man who had no problems whatsoever, right? No, he was someone who had a whole lot of problems. In fact, he was told by God he was going to become the king of Israel and then spent the next so many years of his life running from the king of Israel named Saul who was so jealous of him he tried to kill him numerous times. He had to hide in caves. He had to beg for food. So what could David tell us that would help us in making our own new year worth living? Well, I can tell you it won't come from him, meaning he didn't think it up. Then who did? Well, he begins in verse 1. Look at it. He begins in verse 1 saying, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim his work in his hands. What, what is he talking about? Well, in those times of trouble, as David was sitting out under the skies at day, uh, during the day or under, uh, during the night, 
One of the things that he observed that every person who is alive in this world observes, that is if you don't live in North Carolina, is that the sky is filled with the glory of God. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I, I have talked to people, Russ Gavitt, God bless him, he's with the Lord. Thank, thanks be to the Lord Jesus. He's with the Lord now in heaven. But he used to tell me as a photographer, the best time to get a picture for sunset is after the sun has set. And I said, Russ, that doesn't make any sense. And he said, no. He said, you don't understand. He said, the, the, the light that comes from the sun when it goes past the horizon, that is the moment that people are looking for when the sun is setting. And it's the most marvelous and the most beautiful moment of the day. Because the light of the sun is still coming over the, the horizon of the earth and the sky is filled with the glory of that sunlight. Same thing with the sunset. When I was out in Yellowstone, Wyoming, we would oftentimes climb mountains to go see the sun setting. And as you would watch that sun literally move as it would just drop over the horizon, you would see it slowly sinking down. And the question that went through your mind, nobody spoke. Nobody said a word. The question that went through your mind was, who did this? Who made this world? That's what the psalmist is crying. David is saying, the heavens declare the glory of God. I've never heard of anyone who's seen a sunset or sunrise say anything more than, wow. It was so impressive they could say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> Same is true at night. The reason I say in North Carolina, because y'all, honestly, we are so insulated from God's creation. I have an app on my phone that tells, actually on my iPad, that tells me how many hours I've spent online. And it shows me that every Sunday morning. And when I look at that, the question that goes through my mind is, okay, was I reading God's word or was I doing other things? And the problem with living is that we become myopic. We forget the God of the glory of creation who created you. And he loves you. At night, you only see this when there's no lights around you. But as you gaze into the sky, you see the firmament. What does that mean? Well, the heavens were everything that's like the dome of, of all creation. The firmament is what fills it. So the sun and the moon and the stars are the firmament filling the skies. And as you see that darkness of night and then those lights coming forth, it is amazing, especially in the mountains, away from all man-made illumination, you see the illumination of God's glory. And there's no sound. There's no voice speaking. But there is real communication. And it must have been in those nights when David struggled with his life that he looked into the skies and those words comforted his soul and brought down to him the truth of who he was and who God is. 
because day after day, in verse 2, day after day, they pour forth the speech, and night after night, they reveal knowledge. What knowledge? That there is a creator bigger than me. There's someone who is in charge of this universe. The orbit of the sun and the moon and the stars are in his hands. He is in the one place that controls everything and everyone. He is God of Almighty. And he says in verse 3 that they have no speech, this knowledge of God. They use no words, no sound is heard for them, yet the voice goes out into all the earth. There's not a human being that does not hear it, does not perceive it. Their word goes to the ends of the world. And then he brings forth an imagery, that imagery of the sun. It's like a bridegroom. A bridegroom would come out from the wedding. We've got it backwards. We put the, excuse me, we, we, we got it backwards in the sense of our weddings because we think the, the bride should be the one coming down the aisle, don't we? In those days, the bride waited in her home for the bridegroom to come and take her from her family and bring her to his home. The son is like that bridegroom that comes and everyone anticipates it's rising and as the day wears on, it, that sun and the heat of it warms our bodies and leads us to th do things and accomplish things during the day we could not do at night. The imagery is also like one who is a champion who's going to run a race. There is not a moment where the race is the most exciting is at that moment when the gun is going to sound and the racers are ready. They're charged. They're leaning down. They're, they're in their stands. They're anticipating the pop of the pistol. And when that pistol pops, the run commences. And so the imagery there for you and for me is to remember the glory of God. What is that glory? That glory is that God's glory is all around us. It is in the creation he has made, but it is not enough. Because the minute we see that glory, we still wonder, who is this God that made this world and us? And why are we here? Why am I alive? What purpose does my life have? And it is in that imagery of the sun going across the sky and the bridegroom coming to get his bride. By the way, that's a foreshadow of Jesus coming to get you. That then David turns his attention to the law of the Lord. What does he mean? Well, it's the second part of the sermon, the word of God, the law of the Lord. Verse 7, if you don't see it, please look at it. He says that the law of the Lord is perfect. Why is it perfect? It refreshes the soul. <laughs> Let me tell you, you come in from a hard day's work, what do you do? Put up your, put up your feet on the table. Tell your spouse to get you a good one from the refrigerator. Does that refresh you? For a while. But David found in his life that as he lived, the place that refreshed his soul was the word of God. 
Some of you are weary. Some of you are overburdened. Some of you are worried about others in your life. And David says, the law of the Lord, it can refresh you. Is that true? Well, yes, it's true. It's very true. Why? He goes on and tells us in verse 8, it's very powerful as you read it. He tells us that the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. Do you hear it? It's almost as if he's tripping over his words to extol how God's word is going to refresh your soul as you give yourself to the Lord. It's going to, it's going to overwhelm you in the way in which this word speaks to your heart about the heart issues you face this morning. You see, the word, that law of God, reveals God's holiness. It also reveals our sinfulness. What do I mean by that? Well, it reveals how we don't look to the law of the Lord. We try to figure out our own solutions. Let me tell you, I wish I had a dollar for every time I tried to fix something in my life and it didn't work out. Amen? Well, not according to David. If you put your trust in God's word, if you will take hold of it, if you will follow it, and if you will obey it, he says it will convert your soul. What does he mean by that, convert the soul? Well, the Holy Spirit comes to do what? To convict and reprove and to encourage us to walk in righteousness. In fact, Jesus was very clear about this. He says, if you are truly my disciple, you will keep my words. There it is. You see, the salvation that we need in our lives from the troubles that life can bring are not some New Year's resolution. We need God. We need Christ. We need the word of God active in us. And in that way, we are converted. How are we converted? That we no longer trust in ourselves. But that we put our trust in what God has said. Well, what do I mean? Well, does God tell you not to lie? Don't lie. Well, that's kind of hard when your wife holds up two dresses and asks, which one do I look better in? Or your husband says, honey... Would you please help me with something and you don't want to do it at all? You see, the truth of the matter is you and I are very much aware that as we look into God's law, that there is a lot that has to be converted in me to, in, in order to obey it. There has to be some trust that I give God to know that God, who created the heavens and the earth, who causes the son to be like the bridegroom and the champion, he has wanted me to follow him in such ways that I too drink deeply of the refreshing spirit he offers. And so if you want to be wise in the near 2023, if you want to have a heart that rejoices and walk in the joy of life, if you want to have some insights and understanding on the best way to make decisions, if you want to have a life that endures in such a way that people look at you and think, man, I am so grateful to know that person. Then you too must 
must come to the place that David did, as hard as it can be, as difficult as it is sometimes for us to yield to the truth that the law of the Lord is perfect and it revives the soul. He goes on to tell us, the person who comes to this conviction, and not everyone does, the person who comes to this conviction sees God's word as more precious than gold. Verse 10. I was down in Charlotte, and there's a museum dedicated to what made Charlotte start as a city. Do you know what it was? Gold. People came to Charlotte because gold was found. Do you know that there was a time when people would get in wagons and horses and drive all the way across this country to get to California? Why would they do that? Because of gold. If people will do that for gold, what will they do to have their souls refreshed? To have wisdom to lead their life? What would they, what would they do in order to obtain a life of joy? Unfortunately, because of who we are and what the law reveals about us, we'll turn on the TV or go to our, our cell phone or call up Dr. Phil and we forget that the law of the Lord refreshes the soul. How much time do you spend in God's word? Looking back on the year 2022, could it be that your life could have been richer, more joyful, more peaceful if you had spent more time in God's word? Is that possible? You know, the, the amazing thing in verse 10 is how David says, look, it's not just that gold is valuable. This, this word that God gives, this word incarnate, Jesus Christ, the word he's given us in the scripture, the, the Holy Bible, this word gives also a warning and a reward. Did you see it? Look carefully. Verse 10. He says they are sweeter than honey, the honey of a honeycomb. Let me tell you, when my wife and I go get apples in Taylorsville in, in September, we like the honeycrisp apple. We love to make an apple pie out of a honeycrisp apple. They sell honey up there, and it's made by a guy out of Statesville. And it's, it's um, a special kind of honey that you don't see everywhere. And I'm forgetting the name of it. Cindy, can you remember? Sourwood honey. Now, let me tell you, you put that on a biscuit, you can forget the rest of the meal. It's that good. Well, he's saying the word of God is that gloriously rich in our lives. Notice what he says. He says, it gives warning, verse 11, to those who are God's servants. It warns us, don't do this. Do this. Why? Because there's great reward in keeping the word of God. We don't do it to earn our salvation. Christ has given us the forgiveness of sins. We don't go to the word of God to prove we're better than others. Why? Because there's reward in obedience.
obeying the Lord. How, what, what, what reward? It's better than gold. It's sweeter than honey. It's real life. Abundant. I was thinking back to my life and I was thinking, you know, there never was a time I regretted obeying the Lord. Amen? Was there ever a time in your life when you look back and think, man, I wish I'd not listened to the Lord? No, it doesn't happen. And there in is David's final plea to us this morning. He goes on and he ends the psalm very powerfully. He says, who can discern his errors? I want you to know that there's a part of me you probably share where you think you're always right. Everyone else is wrong. You're always right. Your opinion is more important than anyone else's. I know you're not like that, but, but I am. And the most amazing thing about that moment when you think you're always right is you're probably wrong, but you'll never admit it. When I got married, I told my wife, we have two rules in the house. The first is Robert is always right. The second rule is whenever in doubt, refer to rule number one, right? What is that? That's sin. That's the power of sin in our lives. It grips us where we will not listen to anyone, especially God. And David tells us, but the law of the Lord, it refreshes your soul. The amazing thing is that if you're serious about following Christ, you can't do it with a prideful heart. You can't go to God and tell God how good you are or how lucky he is to have you in his church or you have all the answers to the problems of the world. You're not, you're not in touch with what David is speaking of today. But when you understand what the law of the Lord teaches us about the holiness of God and the lack of holiness in our lives, it will do one of two things. It will either drive you to Jesus or it will drive you away from Jesus. That's what's happening in our culture, by the way. That's why Christians are asking, being asked to shut up and sit down because that message of Christ does not want to be heard by people who do not want to come humbly before God who knows all and has created all and wants to submit to that truth. They do not want God to be God. But for those who do, in the midst of that humility, they fulfill what Jesus taught in chapter 5 of Matthew. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For what? For theirs is the kingdom of God. Do you hear it? The humility, the meekness that must be from our hearts when that word, that, that law of God is given. And out of that awareness of God's holiness, we turn to God and we say, Oh God, forgive me. 
God, forgive me. Verse 12, we go to God and we say, God, verse 13, God, deliver me from this power of sin. Deliver me. And then the closing prayer in verse 14. May, may, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. In the prophet Isaiah, God says, I love people who have contrite hearts. Is your heart contrite this morning? God invites you to come into his presence and to know the refreshing, life-giving, soul-converting, wisdom-imparting, joy-infused power of his word. And if you make one New Year's resolution, maybe it should be, I want to spend more time in God's word. Lord Jesus, we know that you have come to give abundant life. Abundant. And our life is not abundant right now. We are feeling the pangs of anxiety as this year closes and the promise that you give of a new year. We would like to end the year 2023 living life instead of surviving it. We just thank you, God. You love us so much that you did not leave us without resources. For you have given us everything we need in Jesus Christ to live a holy life. Everything. Our prayer is that as we begin this year of 2023, that we would draw near to the word of God. Find the refreshment we need. Could be that we just need to spend the rest of the afternoon away from a TV and walking outside and remembering the glory of God is all around us. This we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. And the people of God said together, Amen.